You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Tonight, on an all-new OK Talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um... Wow, this is good, man. Yeah, I I haven't listened to. Uh, is your show kind of free flowing? Like, I mean, we like when we did the Bigfoot show. Obviously, Bigfoot was a general topic, but as you well know, having listened to certain things, we just kind of would go off on tangents and stuff. Yeah. But is your is your show just about? It doesn't have an emphasis, or is it uh, just no, whatever? Man. Yeah, man, we just kind of talk about whatever we want to. That's good. We didn't want to. I definitely didn't want to pigeonhole it. Good. In addition to the overall shock and surprise at the quality of this podcast, we will also discuss topics as uncomfortable as this conversation on the San Francisco television station. Uh, we should tell you LeBron James is going to star in Space Jam. Well, we, do, we actually, oh, you mad because I already read that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, how's Steph Curry's uh, knee? Uh, he's nursing it and it's getting better. Mm-hmm. How long have we been friends? 23 years. I didn't know you were going to do have it. Have you ever, and I'm going to say this with a smile, ever heard me say right before you came on, there's an irrigation problem in Gilroy? Well, you have to Never. talk to Kasim. You ever heard to... me say, oh, it's warm weather today? Never. I stay in my lane. And it's it just for, to a friend to oh, do that. you got to talk to Kasim. I like Cassine, yeah. so don't try and pit me against the producer, well, Cassine. Well, he gave me that lovely script. And here's that. It's hard for me to get mad. Catherine has stayed at my mother's home. She's written my mother notes and stolen my material. So how do I get mad? Well, anyway, how is Curry's knee? Uh, improving. Okay, well. Hey, LeBron was very good in train wreck, so this will be fun. Okay, I shouldn't have brought it up. Yeah, it's going to be great. He, and Michael Jordan starred in Space Jam, as you earlier reported. I'm sorry. All right. Darn it. Hard to be mad at Catherine, though. She's a good friend of my mom's, and there's going to come a time when uh, you have to choose between the love of your mother and your mother's friends and the honor and dignity of Kron. We may have reached that level. <laughs> Please. Okay, let me, let's do the story again, then. time for our journey to begin. In the land we call wilderness there lives a creature that has become one with legend. I'm talking, 
Of course, not about Bigfoot, rather a man who walks. A man who walks entirely too much. His accolades include getting Eric Beckyard thrown out of a Canadian conference, being replaced by George Foreman, as well as causing Brian Brown to find a reliable third host of the Bigfoot show. He also revolutionized the use of a cup as a toilet. Dear God, how in the hell did Paul Vellar deal with this guy as long as he did? Just now, I'm remembering the times I would doze off listening to, yet another, argument about the fucking Patterson, Gimlin film, only to be awoken from my slumber because Scott didn't pay his internet bill. Thus, at times his crap connection would make him sound as if a demon had taken over the hair of Melba Ketchum. Honestly, now that I think about it, I no longer want to be involved in this episode. Clint, you can go get Romy or any one of those other women to do the intro, I'm out. I'd rather walk naked backwards through a field of plastic cocks. Piss off. Time for the shot, and we're going in search of Sasquatch again. You know, you're making fun of the Bigfoot, but I really do have a friend who believes that. In fact, I called Scott Harriet. And here's here to tell us about when he did see the Bigfoot. Scott? <laughs> you, you folks of little faith. You really believe there's a Bigfoot? I, I do. Well, it's not just one. It's not like a guy, you know, there's not one scaring a hunter in British Columbia and then heading down to Northern California to scare a family. What is the difference between a Yeti and a Bigfoot and a Sasquatch? Uh, about six inches. <laughs> Scott, I do appreciate it. Thanks. And Erica, thanks, thanks very much. Let me ask you a question. What do you get when you mix a comedian? an encounter witness, and a professional walker. The answer is one of the most controversial people in the land of Bigfootery. Quite a shame, really. He's one of the most talented people in this demented community. Frank, tell us how you got interested in the phenomenon of Sasquatch. I started back in uh, 1984 when I uh, personally had my first um, encounter with one of these Sasquatches. The male that I called Sasquatch, uh, not Sasquatch, but called Oddball, Oddball, was the one that I've had more frequent visits by. And he was anywhere from nine and a half to 10 feet tall. Uh, why, why Oddball? Well, I lost a horse to him back 10 years ago. The Sasquatch came up to him and literally put a single blow to his forehead and left him laying in the crowd dead. Frank, uh, let me ask you this, are you little? It, this is gonna sound foolish. I had them where they play uh, peekaboo. That uh, sounds crazy. I had them run from tree to tree. I've heard reports that stool samples have been found about 18, 20 inches long, size of an arm in diameter, and as long as an arm in diameter. Is there a lot of screaming associated with those foot-long ones? Not that I know of. Sometimes you're, you're gonna, I keep telling myself, should I brought that home? Is it what I'm looking for? If it is, it's a, it's a scientific find. Bring, uh, I should have brought it home, so now I started realizing, don't, don't second guess, just do. Do I have to put a quarter in here? This guy has managed to tick off more people than Donald Trump at Taco Bueno. He is in good company, however. Clinton, if you are not careful, your mother won't return your calls either. LOL, back to what it is that really matters. Quality programming meant to entertain. Scott Harriet is most famous for interviewing the legendary Datus Perry. Remember him? Hi Sasquatch. Come on down, peekhead, pointed head. You bet your sweet ass you do. A TV man, member of the great Bigfoot show. 
professional walker, documentarian, and also president of the Donald Trump is a Jack Wagon fan club. Scott is outspoken. His opinions on the authenticity of Patty and Kill, No Kill, will drive many insane. In the vein of the aforementioned Bigfoot show, this episode is long and winding. Be sure to visit squatchfilms.com. Clinton and Matt reached Scott at his parents' home, moments after Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals. Enjoy. Let's start off with Scott. Hello? You should be up and on. But, 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 Scott. Yeah? Hello? I sound old, don't I? Well, I am tired. I got up early today. <laughs> hey, uh, Scott, meet Matt. Hello, Scott. Hey, hey, Matt, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. A little tired. Exhausted by the Warriors' uh, uh, Thunder game, which was awesome. I've never seen anybody shoot out of their mind like uh, Clay Thompson did tonight. He went, that was just like, he went crazy. That, he went, that was like, it was crazy. And given given that it was a – I mean, that I'm not a huge basketball fan. I usually watch, start watching around the playoffs, but I can't remember – in a regular game, let alone a playoff game, somebody just, you know, he's, not, he's shooting threes while he's falling away and guys are on him. I mean, it, it was amazing performance. Yeah, I, I'm not, I didn't hear driving over if that was officially the record. I know he broke yeah. the record, but I don't know if uh, it reminded me of Jordan against Portland in like 92 right. or 93 and Jordan wasn't a big three point shooter but he went bananas right. and that's where that famous shot of him like shrugging at the sideline right. like I don't know I'm so awesome I can't even help it I can't yeah I can't deal with my own uh, awesomeness <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's what it, it sounded was, like he did set the record I think it was 11 he shot he hit 11 three pointers 11 for 16 or 11 for 17 I think and then Curry played great down the stretch you know, I never had really watched a full game with Curry before, and you know, you just hear about his great three-point shooting ability. But man, that kid can pass. He's such a great assist man. I didn't know that about him. That was that was amazing to watch him uh, move around. How cool he is too. Very calm. Yeah, totally. And that's uh, that's what the that that giving stuff away in the fourth quarter is what. Oklahoma City was known for so oh, they kind they of played well though I thought I thought overall they played great it was just that uh, um, yeah Golden State just turned it on there at the end and uh, it should be it'll probably be a great game seven too yeah it so should be a lot of fun looking forward to that that's our show good night everybody <laughs> basketball talk oh that's <laughs> pulling up your Kickstarter thing here. But uh, yeah. I was I watched uh, Journey and Squatching today. Oh, good. Again. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's cool. And my yeah. wife actually paid attention this time, and she was just <laughs> she was blown good. away as soon as she saw you with that with that whistle in the woods. She was looking at me. And she was like, "He's not being serious, is he?" And I was like, "No, no, he's not being serious." I mean, that's the thing. That's the risk you. Uh take i'm sure there's a certain percentage of people who aren't quite sure what i really think of the whole bigfoot thing i mean because i was I, I, I did stand-up comedy for 12 years and i like to put humor in my films but um i think those with a discerning intellect <clears throat> can glean 
and I am serious about it. I mean, I, 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 I do think there are such things as Sasquatl. And I do think the thing that happened to me 24 years ago involved not one but two of these things. But at the same time, I like to I like to have fun with the phenomena too. So, yeah, there you have it. What can you do if people uh, they want to believe it or they can't? I don't know. It's weird. Just some people get when I'm being funny or attempting to be funny, and when I'm being serious about it. Or maybe I'm just being paranoid. Well, I mean, you were able to talk to the great Dadis Perry, the guy who originally I, yeah. brought me into. The Sasquatch phenomenon, because as a young high school student, maybe middle school, high school, right around then, I found a video called Secrets of the Unknown or Secrets and Mysteries. Uh, and uh, okay. that picture that's on that Facebook, that's it. That's, you know, directly taken from that VHS. Yeah. But he says some of the most insane shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Yeah. About, you know, I wave my arm into Big Eric and I says, come on, Sasquatch, come on down. And it had a peaked, yeah. pointed head. And then I see yeah. him in your D- DVD and I'm just like, dude, Dadis. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. You know, and again, I, I, I always forget you call him Dadis. I've heard Datus. I don't know. I Yeah. Well, he's he's passed to the other realm. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, uh, that was, gosh, oh my God, dude, that was like 22 years ago I interviewed him. And he was, he was, you know, in the last, I think, few years there, and he he was a real nice guy, but yeah, I thought it was pretty clear he was kind of crazy. <laughs> I think he was a nice guy, but kind of crazy. I don't, I don't think like, <clears throat> I don't think like an active liar but like almost like kind of psychotic. Yeah, yeah, and, I get that too. Uh, yeah, it was it was actually folks like Datus or Datus, and, and, and I tried not to, you know. I mean, obviously, I was having fun. Well, not with just with him, but with myself too, and in, in, in journey towards Squatchdom. But it was like folks like Datus, Datus that inspired me to do journey towards Squatchdom because. I take the phenomena seriously, and there's enough folks like him that <clears throat> just kind of poison the well, I think, to a large degree for people just kind of starting to read about Bigfoot. And um, they just they see him first, for example, <clears throat> and they just think the whole thing's a crock of shit. Sorry, can I say shit on your show? Or, you I'm, can, okay. of course. You okay. can. <laughs> so I wanted to have kind of that pre-daily show but it was that kind of a daily show vibe to journey towards squatch where it's just i'm having fun with the topic yeah i love Uh, the uh the cutbacks when you were talking to uh what's his name ray crow or whatever yeah (laughs) and you're you're going back and forth that was very that was another early um right early early daily show steve not steve carell and not steve colbert but the one that had glasses he went to florida and did a thing about the skunk ape with that uh, guy that you see on some of those shows. Oh, uh, that David Sheely or Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. And they had a bucket and they set up chairs literally like two feet away from it and he's just staring at it. Yeah. It's waiting <clears throat> for it to come. I'm trying to think where I'd seen that technique before because again, that was before the Daily Show came on. But that had been used at the 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 um obviously <clears throat> staged cutaways. <laughs> it's genius. Where and it's still it's still so funny. You know, I have a show like <clears throat> the Daily Show that goes on for many years, and news 
still does that. The fakey, well, I guess it's really, it's hard to think of an alternative. You have to kind of cut away from a guy to show the reporter every once in a while, but it always, and then also in Jurassic George watched him, I wanted to make fun of, I always hate the shot where it shows either the person walking by the camera or, <laughs> well, we then headed off into the woods and then you see the car drive by. And you know, I mean, if you have half a brain, you know they just put the camera on the side of the road. Yeah, and you had the guy come and pick it up. <laughs> yeah, Kai comes, picks up the camera and gets back in, in, in the van. Because, yeah, the nature of film and TV. You're a funny, so you're a funny man. Shit. Oh, thanks, thanks. You're obviously a very um, observant person. Oh, clearly. Uh, clearly. I kind of started getting into this topic again. I started listening yeah. to the Bigfoot show. Oh, cool. And that's really where I got to know you. It's funny. Mm-hmm. When I heard you say that you were in Naked Gun 33 and a third. Yeah. And you were talking about shooting that scene and that Leslie Nielsen wasn't even there. Like, so. Yeah. Leslie Nielsen was early Clint comedy, like gold. I watched that movie so many times. Oh, yeah. And as soon as you said who you were, that you were the only one in the room clapping, like, boom, the mental image of you in the movie came on. And I was telling my wife again today that that was, I was kind of telling her we were going to get to talk to you tonight. And I was like, he was the only one in the room clapping. And I thought that was hilarious. Just the, just how like determined you were. And I don't even remember if it was like some racist joke that he says. No. It was something about, you know, he's uh, he's impersonating Phil Donahue, right? And he stall, he's trying to stall for time because the other cops are looking through the envelopes. They think there's a bomb in one of the envelopes. So he just starts ad-libbing about, I think it was about dolphins. And, he's going, <laughs> and we got to save the dolphins. But you know what? We need to eat, too. So, you know, who cares? Or something like that. And then, I'm, and then you hear this guy clapping, and it's me. And then I look... And once I noticed no one else was clapping, I looked embarrassed and put my head down. It was great. It was great. Oh, yeah. They, I wasn't even there. That was Pete Siegel was the director of that. He had directed a pilot I had done a few years before that. And he gave me a call out of the blue and said he wanted to do this thing. So that was that was cool. And it was just him. It was him on a ladder. And he had everybody in that um that was sitting in, in the audience there reacting to him on the ladder. Okay, now I'm doing this, and now you're looking over here and all this stuff. <clears throat> Another person, if you look carefully, in that audience scene for any movie buffs out there is a really nice, really funny guy who's gone on to be a really good big-time comedy director, uh, Paul Feig, who oh, did yeah. uh, Bridesmaids Bridesmaid and is directing the new Ghostbusters film. So I was so happy a few years ago to see him like, wow, I had no idea Paul Feed. you know, I didn't follow his career really closely, but uh, he's there as well as a uh, really good comic. Uh, Joel Madison is also in that crowd as well. So. Wow. A little bit of trivia to Mark Dan on your <laughs> notepad listeners. You guys are doing this Bigfoot show. Yeah, and well, we're we're not really doing it anymore. You know? No, 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 I know, and that's the yeah. that's the problem with me on so many things in my life. I get into something just at the end of it when it well, shuts down. But I was kind of obsessive about it and go back and was listening, you know, catching up before you guys yeah. stopped. But it's funny listening to stuff after the fact. Um, I'm a big football fan. I'm a big Seahawks fan. I told my wife today that you also predicted that the New Orleans Saints were going to, or the Seahawks were going to beat the Saints 
that year up there in Seattle, which you probably don't even remember, but that's so random that you're like, today the, the Seahawks are going to beat the Saints in the playoffs. Oh, wow. I don't remember that. Yeah, they did, though. Remember you did, and you even say on there, are we recording? Okay, great, because we got it on tape that I called it. And yes, in fact, they did. Oh. That was the Beast Mode game. That was the thing. I think about that game that, uh, and I was kind of a fan of both those teams, but I thought that I thought that the result of that game might actually end in a rule change eventually, which was the, it, it, it was like, it's kind of lame if, if the division you're in a particular year sucks. Yeah. Cause the, the Seahawks won that. Year. that di- yeah. They won like seven yeah. games, but won their division yeah, they won seven games. The saints won four more games than they did that year. And then, and, and then they have to play on the road against them. That's ridiculous. I think there should be a limit, like a three-game spread limit. If it's more than th- if if one team has won more than three games, then the other team gets the home, regardless of who won the division or not. Because it's just it's just not fair. I mean, you know. So I I, I think I don't know. But you I called it. You're 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 yeah. immortalized for that for that alone. Good. At least for something. And then somewhere in the middle of there, you started doing the um, the walking, the Pacific oh, wow, Coast Trail, fun. and the yeah, oh yeah, that was uh, well. The first one I did was in '03, uh, the year after uh, squatching. I did squatching in '02, and then uh, I wanted to do something else. I didn't. I was driving out in the desert, high on mushrooms. No, I wasn't on mushrooms, and. Um, I passed by the sign for the Pacific Crest Trail, which I'd actually hiked a very tiny bit of years ago. And my initial connection to it was like, you know, those would be, there are these people who will take five, six months of their lives to walk the entire length of the country from Mexico all the way to Canada in, in pretty remote areas. And uh, so maybe they'd be people to talk to about possible Bigfoot encounters. And um, so that was the first connection to it. So I went to the, they have an annual kickoff event down near the border each year. And I went to that. I, I, I just figure I'll see how it goes and then I'll make my decision. And I was there like a half hour and I was, oh, these people are awesome. So, and I just decided then and I did that and then ended up doing three more films on the PCT and ended up actually hiking the whole thing throughout these four films. So you just meet these people and then you meet them some later and then I just keep doing. I, I, you just see me, see me slowly devolve into a through hiker. Uh, you know, I, I get into the whole um, subculture of it, which is awesome, and I can't recommend it enough to people. Uh, and then after that, I just said, "Well, why don't I try to through hike that is do the whole Appalachian Trail back east?" And one year I tried to do that, got hurt, but still I was able to get three films out of that in in my attempt to finish it and uh that's the flip-flop flipping ones yeah that's flip-flop flipping flip-flop flipping two that took me many minutes to come up with that title <laughs> and then i i finished it and got uh, then finished it with flip-flop flipped and uh great great trail community back there i mean it's got a lot of history on the appalachian trail and um Great diversity, a lot of characters. I mean, that's what's fun. I mean, I get out there, I get to exercise, I get to see a new part of the country, and just meet these, this wide spectrum of people who are just largely characters. I think it's because they're adventurous enough to attempt something like that. So, um, 
it's been pretty fun. And, you know, I've been able to make uh, just enough money to still live with my 84-year-old parents as a result. So <laughs> it's been... <laughs> Lucrative. Living live the dream. Yeah, living the dream. What right. uh, what was it that drew you to that that subculture of, of through-hiking? Was it the was it nature? Was it the the physical feat or the people well, that were with like, you? Like or? I said, the initial thing was kind of the Bigfoot. You know, I was still interested in doing something... Uh, Bigfoot related, and but then also, you know, well, I've always liked to remain active, and as the older you get, you know, it's just wise to do so. So here's something I could, I'm I'm keeping in shape, uh, you know, with the digital um, revolution pretty much going in full bloom, you know, by the um, by the turn of the century, you can, you know. You can make a pretty good film with a small camera. With with the, you know first start off mini DV, now HD of course. And I just liked I could have the camera with me, hike, run into people, and I would usually go in the opposite direction. So I would run into these people. They're going mostly north. I go south, meet them, interview them on trail, and then I flip up ahead of them again, and then go south again and and run into them, uh, annoy them, and interview them, and and and, you know, get a couple of restraining orders put against me. But other than that, um, <laughs> it was uh, it was fun. It had so many, I think it was because it was so all-encompassing. And getting exercise, it's fun. You never know what you're going to see that day, what kind of wildlife you're going to see on the trail. And and then the stories. That's what's great. You, you know, you think you hear every uh, possible story about a deer you can hear in three years and then you go out the fourth year and there there's something else that, that's kind of crazy. So, um, and then I broadened it out a little bit. I went to Spain a few years ago and hiked the Camino de Santiago, which is this old spiritual pr- pilgrimage is like 550 miles long. I'd seen the movie, the way uh, that Emilio Estevez did with his dad, Martin Sheen, which is a really good film, by the way. I've no one seen it. It's really good. And I thought, well, man, that would be a cool documentary to do. And I did that, and that was awesome. It was really fun. And then I went to Iceland last year and spent 72 days, hence the incredibly creative title, 72 Days in Iceland. <laughs> by the way, these are all available at squatchfilms.com. They are. They are. Uh, yes, download, um, streaming. DVD and Blu-ray. Isn't it amazing? Uh, technology is. I know. Incredible. I'm waiting. I uh, I want to hop on the holographic bandwagon as soon as it ever happens. Yeah, uh, I think that would be cool for sure. Um, Tell me about the penis yeah. museum in Iceland, real quick. Yeah. While, we're, while we're there. Well, uh, I wanted to interview the owner, but he was kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it was it, it was actually better than I thought it would be. I, you know, it was basically just a collection of all these different penises of different animals. What a lot of wh- a lot of whale dicks. There's a lot of whale. Well, I guess you know they're. I hear they're big, very big. And they're big and and, uh, and there was actually a human penis there, which was a little odd because you couldn't really see like this guy's sack was so big and it was just like, it was in a jar, like in a Frankenstein film. <laughs> and I'm looking around. I kept what well, where is the actual penis? You can't, it's like, he must have had a really small dick. And then was, his, was it the just the one? Was, was it just the one that? human penis? Just one human penis. And apparently they'd been trying for years to get someone to, I guess once they die, hopefully uh, donate their cock to the, uh, to the penis museum, and someone finally did. 
Um, Such a shame that it wasn't a a more impressive member of the yeah, museum. Yeah, it was just weird. It was just like, like weird, you know, maybe <laughs> saturated it? or something. It just looked, it was, yeah, but there is, you know, if you go, it's definitely worth going to uh, the Sorcery and Witchcraft Museum, which is up in the northwest part of Iceland. It's kind of spooky and cool, too. And there's a sea monster museum oh, that's up awesome. there in the, uh, the northwest sector. That's called the West Fjords, which is really awesome. And I think it's less than 15% of people who go who visit Iceland even go up there. It's kind of the roads aren't quite as good, but it's really, really beautiful. Uh, and it's really not an ugly place in Iceland. I mean, it's that in my opinion, really, really beautiful. Now, didn't they name Greenland, Greenland, and Iceland, Iceland to confuse people? Yeah, I, I think it was, it was, I forgot who it was, Leif Erikson or Eric the Red. I think he went to Greenland first and said, this is a shithole. Yeah. And then he went to Iceland, a little farther south, a little more temperate, you know, uh, less tundra you know, they have the volcanic... Uh, Probably because it's, you know, Iceland's right on the mid-Atlantic rift, so right. all this geothermal activity. That's the story that he actually, when he sent word back, he switched the names because he didn't want everybody coming to Iceland. Because it's, you know, it's only the size of Kentucky, but four times the intellect. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's uh, it's a great country. It, it, it's probably my favorite country I've ever been to. It's the most literate country in the world. They have, like, they're the second lowest rate of terrorist attacks in the world, if you can, can you name the first country? Try to name it. Least likely to be attacked by a terrorist. Which country? Let's see. Does Antarctica count? No, <laughs> that's not a bad guess. But it's actually North Korea because nobody can get in North Korea. Oh, that's that makes sense. Get, yeah, yeah, that's the one good thing having a child <laughs> dictator. Sounds like they got it figured out up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we should all look to them. And and hey, if we elect Hillary, we'll have someone who wears exactly the same thing as a Kim Jong. Oh, my God. You know, um, oh, don't get me started. I'm, uh, I'm a real Trump hater. Uh, so don't. Uh, yeah, well, you're in Texas. No, wait, you said you're a lefty from Texas, right? Yeah, we, bo- we both work in politics. Or, oh, me, not as much. Uh, Matt yeah. deals with it every day yeah, now. I get but, my fill uh, of it. That's how, that's where we started was uh, working on together on a right leaning political talk show. So, oh wow, wow! Um, mm-hmm. I guess that accounts for your slow response time. Anyway, no kidding. Come on, <laughs> I love. I'm just. Uh, I've got many friends. Uh, not many, but I've got friends on the right, and um, I'm just still perplexed by the whole Trump phenomenon. I mean, I've got, I think I understand it, but I'm. It's amazing. I just think I think it's just uh, uh, the idiocracy is commencing, ladies and gentlemen. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening right before our eyes. I can't believe that he pushed out and pulled out of the debate with Bernie. That's what pisses so me off. Why does that surprise you? The guy. The guy. I know he talk about a little dick. Romney looked like a consistent <laughs> policy guy. I mean, he's a, he's he's a flip flop, flip flop, flip flop flipper, <laughs> and a bullshitter and a bully. And uh, and as Bernie says, I think rightfully, he's a pathological liar. <laughs> and uh, I just yeah, we say, can't, okay, we I, can't, we can't. That's can't that is as much politics as you'll get on this yeah, show. I'm yeah, I'm sorry. I just said that I have to like vent. I'm kind of like a like a, a volcano with that. I have to vent like at least once a day. I know. I'm glad I got that up. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Every time yeah, that but, I heard you get into any kind of. Uh, 
Well, I knew you were an Obama supporter, so I knew that, yeah. again, like I, I have identified with you, the funniness, the leftiness. Yeah. So I knew that, that I knew you leaned that way, but that's cool. Let's talk about what you're doing now. Like this, uh, this yeah. new project, which again, I wasn't on Facebook for many different reasons. And just this week, just decided to, you were one of the first people that I gravitated towards, and I saw this Kickstarter that you were like, hey, thanks a lot, guys. And it only ran for 30 days, but you've got a new project where you're kind of combining the two things that you love. Yes, yes. And so far, so good. I got, I got, I got to tell you this really quick. Uh, it was funny, you know, uh, and for those who don't know, I hope I'm not revealing too much. Feel free to cut this out. But but Clint on Facebook as, as uh, Datus or... Uh, yeah, Datus Perry. So w- when you first sent me a friend re- request, I actually deleted because you only had five friends. I go, this is some kind of clone bullshit. Uh, I get these all the time, so I didn't recognize anybody else I knew. So I deleted, and then I saw who you were. Then I sent you a friend request once I knew who you were. So, um, so yes, the Bigfoot Trail. Um, I jumped on there and I commented. I was like, is it? still too late to help you out with a Kickstarter. Well, it, well, it is via Kickstarter. If any of the listeners out there want to, though, uh, feel free. Uh, any of the rewards that I had up there, and they're, oh, they're, you know, Clint, I think you've seen them. It's amazing. I mean, like a good deal of the 25 buck one's pretty good. You get the, you get the finished film, digital download of finished film. You get the exclusive bi-weekly updates from me on the trail. You know, a little more in depth than my tweets and Facebook posts about it, and you get your name on the website as a backer. And that website again is SquatchFilms.com. But check out the rest; it goes from like one dollar all the way to five hundred dollars. So I'm honoring any and all of those rewards if anybody else still wants to uh, wants to be part of it. And that's and, via uh, PayPal at, what is it? Ye- yeah, PayPal, that's right. It's uh, my uh, PayPal ID is YetiFan, Y-E-T-I-F-A-N, at Yahoo.com. And just, uh, yeah. So uh, so what are you thinking about doing with this one? Well, I'm, it, it, I'm actually, I've actually already started, man. I just got back two days ago. Uh, I did uh, 35 miles of it. It's a 360-mile trail that this botanist up there came up with who by the way doesn't is skeptical about bigfoot but he knows that region has a big history of sightings and so he wanted to get a trail that shows how diverse a bio uh diverse the area is i mean it, and it really is it has like it's the most it's actually the most diverse coniferous forest probably in the world that means it has, like, in the 360 miles, you can see actually 32 different species of conifer trees. Uh, you know, these different pine trees and whatnot. So different um, different flowers. It just has, a, and it's very remote. It's a really, really remote area. And that what first chunk I did was really cool. I mean, I've been up in that area a lot. I really love that area. It's basically the same area where the thing happened to me 24 years ago. So. As someone who thinks that there are actually probably a small number of relic hominids that are not wearing overalls and missing teeth, but are actually hair covered and just unclassified higher primates, it's been fun. And it, uh, the next chunk I actually do, I leave in about four days, 
uh, head back up, do the very first 57 miles of it with three other friends that I hiked with in 08 on the Pacific Crest Trail. And so the way I see it is that I've broken it up into about seven chunks and hiking each of these chunks with different friends I've made through these various films I've made. And um, so it's talking about Bigfoot. It's talking about, you know, the pot growing up there is like, an amazing business. I just spent this time in this town, Hayfork, and talked to some locals, and it's like, it's like, it's the business there. That's what they do. Right. It's like, you know. Um, do, you, do you think there's a big connection between Bigfoot and pot? Well, sometimes I think there is, uh, but I think. Um, I mean, seriously, you know, I've, I, I know in um, Squatchin. Yeah. You talk to that guy who's. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Well, yeah, that's a great story. That's a secondhand story, but boy, he sounded believable. I think, I think he believe the guy who told me that story believes what that guy told him. So I wish I could have talked to the actual guy who had the story, uh, which was that this guy's friend was a paid sitter, you know, mm-hmm. to guard a, a marijuana uh, patch. And then one day he heard something on the other side of it, went over and he said he saw this like ape-like gorilla-like thing munching on the buds, like just stripping him off with his teeth. And he just freaked out, turned around and left, just left his shit there and ran away. Uh, the guy, not the, not the apparent Bigfoot. You know, I just think actually any potential budding writers out there, no pun intended, that a pre- the basic premise of the relationship if Sasquatches are actually real and illegal pot growers, which I'm sure have had to have had encounters like that because it would be in basically the same general places. A Sasquatch that makes sense would be probably thickly, you know, densely vegetated, steeply sloped areas. That's where a lot of pot growers are because it's hard to find their stuff. And so if they're, but we know one of those things is definitely up there, pot growers. And if there are such things as Sasquatch, there's probably been these encounters. I think it would be a good starting point for a story about, I don't know, whatever, how these things would, you know, how a pot grower would deal. Or maybe even it would be an instance of habituation yeah, where, um, you know, they just got friendly or whatever. I mean, not got friendly. Yes. They started a romance. That's why, that's why the Indians referred to it as a peace pipe. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I theorize that the big feet actually make bongs out of redwood trees. So if you see a huge carburetor coming out of a, you know, looks like the size of a trash can. Yep. Uh, the odds are a uh, Sasquatch probably did that. Oddly but, enough, I, when I was in Amsterdam, I went into a, a place called Josephine Baker's. It was a little coffee mm-hmm. shop, and the bar had. Like part of the bar was a bong coming up out of the actual wood that the bar was made. So like it was made oh, wow. with bongs built into it. That's crazy. Which was pretty wow, incredible. That is, that is um, yeah. And you remember the old school, like when you would collect baseball cards and you'd have the the like notebook and you'd have the little like plastic pages with the little oh, sleeves yeah. that the cards go in. That's sure. what that's what they had all the pot in. Oh, yeah. Like, so they'd have the actual buds, different buds stuck in with the name on it and then like what it was about. And they just give you that. It's like their menu. Yeah. It's, um, well, it's amazing how organized it's gotten. And a friend of mine who I don't even think he smokes that much, but he's, uh, he's a great 
great hiker. He's like a, one of the king hikers. He's a triple, triple crowner, which means he's hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail each three times. Wow. That's like That's crazy. serious. He's a really super funny guy. He's in my final AT film called Flip Flop Flip, the middle of squatchfilms.com. Anyway, uh, yeah, and so I'm up visiting him and some other friends in um, Oregon, and he just brings out this sample case. And there's like 40 varieties of weed. Oh, this is happy bubblegum. And this is octopus vagina. I'm like, what? What? So, um, yeah, it's it, it, what, I, what I think is a really interesting um, aspect of this is that you've had these folks in what they, you know, they call the Emerald Triangle there in Northern California that have been doing this illegally for so long. And now, since legalization seems to be pretty much right around the corner in California, what is going to be the process? Are these people going to get on, get on board with, you know, legalizing, legalizing, excuse me. I just did five bong laws before mm-hmm. I did this. No. And, um, or remain, try to remain private. You know, we actually got a ride, um, friend of mine, uh, we had, we were hitchhiking and these two young kids picked us up and the car reeked of weed. And so I interviewed them for this film and I'm actually asking their opinion. And one kid was like, yeah, man, we just don't want to go down the corporate road. That's all. We just don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Look out the deer, Joey. What deer? And, no, it's, there's uh, kind of big changes I think going to be going on. But it's, if the thing is, it's been one, I'm learning more and more having been up there and read articles subsequently. It's just they don't really try to enforce the law that much, and I think the big reason being because it's been such a um, an economic boom to people ever since the timber industry has really been shut down there for years due to primarily the spotted owl preservation up there. So they've had to cut back on the logging. So you know, I don't know. I find that stuff. No, it's fascinating, and I think it person would say along the lines of, I don't want to get into the corporate game of it. And then they may hear that, you know, Colorado cleared what 300 million in the first quarter of last year cleared that much. And I have friends that, I mean, I have a guy that I've known since I was knee high here from East Texas and his family has been, I mean, he was the guy that you went through if you wanted anything. And he moved a lot of stuff all over the state and now he works in a laboratory. He's like Heisenberg and pulls cannabinoids out of buds. And he's like saving kids' lives that have, wow. you know, seizures and stuff. And yeah, I, I saw him cool. last Labor Day up in Denver. And I was like, dude, do you realize? I mean, this is, it's like you were made for this. And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. I'm doing the exact same thing I would normally be doing, except I'm not sleeping with a shotgun across my chest. Right. Right. And Funny. it's insane. I have a friend that's in marketing that moved to Denver from New York City solely to help lift little cafes separate themselves, you know, and he runs right. ad campaigns and it's insane. And, yeah. and then I would imagine that those growers in in California, just like the way that Colorado, it seemed to like have taken a lot of the locals that knew what they were doing and kind of bring them into the fold. So I would imagine yeah. those people that are up on the side of the hill may still be up on the side of the hill. They just don't have to camouflage the grow or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of that, during this last hike, we're walking along. My friend and my uh, Renee and I are, and 
and beautiful, you know, area. There's these ferns and these huge, I don't know the names of them, but these huge, like, plants that, like, you'd see in Jurassic Park that are growing down in the, in the creek below. And she looks back and goes, what is that? And it was like, you know, kind of looked like a teenage German shepherd, you know, kind of like just beyond puppyhood, but not full grown. And and we had not passed any driveways for a while, you know. So this wasn't like a dog just coming out of a driveway. And he's kind of limping a little bit. And I was a little, I, I walked back and I didn't, I see him partially go up this really steep slope and he's gone. I mean, he'd just come up from below where the creek was. And I was trying to figure out, and to me it sounded like a reasonable theory was that what if this is probably some pot grower's dog that he just lets go every day. You don't want some water? Okay, you can go, dude. And he just heads down because that slope going up there, man, was like super steep. Nobody would have any reason to go up there except checking something else out. You know, no hunting allowed in that area and whatnot. So, yeah, it goes on, I guess, quite a bit. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it uh, uh, becomes, quote-unquote, legitimized. It'll be interesting to see if you run across any. Yeah, I'm not, you know... um, I would be a little bit concerned about that. Like, as much as people who smoke pot, I think generally it is literally the peace pipe of the world, and that if most people... If Ted Cruz and Donald Trump could sit down and smoke a bowl together yes. um, and then debate, it would be that much funnier and maybe, but it, yeah, let's don't start that. But, it's you, true. You know, um, but I still, I know that, you know, the people that are running these things are still gangsters at a certain level, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's all like in that transition phase. So it'll, I'm sure there'll be all these different variations and, and whatnot. I guess what worries me a little bit, and I, this is a little bit of my right side, I suppose, uh, you know, politically speaking, coming out, is that I've always had this hunch, one reason, you know, booze has remained so legal for so long in this country, because, you know, a lot of Irish came here, and that was part of their heritage, and they came here. But I also think the reason it stayed legal and other things were quelled, like like weed, is because uh, alcohol is basically an aggression releaser. You know, it's like the famous thing where people say, you know, oh, we want to keep marijuana legal, yet you want to keep liquor illegal. How many guys, you know, hit their wife or girlfriend after they were stoned as opposed to how many drunk guys did that? Right. It's almost 100% difference. So the fear, I think, either consciously or unconsciously, politicians have had, people in power is that, well, this stuff becomes so widespread. And I got to be honest, I think there's a little bit of fear I have of this. If it's so widespread, does that make so mellow letting our guard down that we get took, you know, like where you can be going to the other extreme, you know, Al Qaeda or um, ISIS folk, you know, Maybe make it a little easier to take advantage. Well, I really sound right wing there. But, well, no, uh, I know what you're saying. I mean, I, I obviously, you know what I, mean? I think that's why. Uh, clearly, that's why LSD and those kind of altering drugs were pushed down, and especially marijuana. I think that the people, once they were testing this stuff on people in labs, they were like, "Yeah, yo, we don't need to 
you know, we can't um, we we can't be giving our soldiers MDMA and then expecting them to go do their job. Yeah, yeah, and just the nature having you know smoked my share of weed over the years, you just if if you start doing it every day, you totally see the your lack of incentive dropping. Oh yeah, your incentive dropping. You just do because you just hey, it's cool, man. You know, and I I think it's great. I'd love to do it occasionally, but it's like anything else in moderation, man. Exactly. I think the key is we have to start dropping via small parachutes, bongs, loaded bongs into Syria. Yes. Where the, yeah, where ISIS is. And just with easy instructions, say it's from Allah. So the note written in whatever language that is, you know, free gift from Allah, please try this. Uh, or, or, you know, sign it, sign the 98 virgins, we're waiting for you. Yeah, it, um, it's crazy. The kind of uh, the alternate to tobacco that they smoke in the Arab countries, they have these like late night where all the men will get together and they smoke it. It, it almost I keep wanting to say like like kumquats, but it's it's not like that. But it has like a Q like everything else in their language has ooh, a Q in it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it, it has like a methamphetamine quality to it. Yes. And so when you're in Egypt or whatever, you'll see like guys walking the streets like really early in the morning it's because they've been they're basically Jacked like up. strung up and uh that's yeah. one of their that's yeah, their peace I remember, pipe <laughs> there was some, yeah not a peace pipe but they talk about an aggression release or holy hell you just you know gotta keep moving or you think it'll explode yeah um yeah so um wow this is good man yeah i i, I haven't listened to uh, is your show kind of free-flowing like I mean, we like when we did the Bigfoot show. Obviously, Bigfoot was a general topic, but as you well know, having listened to certain things, we just kind of would go off on tangents and stuff. Yeah. But is your is your show just about? It doesn't have an emphasis, or is it uh, just no, whatever? Man. Yeah, man. We just kind of talk about whatever we want to. That's good. We didn't want to. I definitely didn't want to pigeonhole it. Good. Yeah, good, I, and you know what's crazy? Speaking about Bigfoot and pot and pot grows, I told you I was just in Arkansas met this guy. He was actually a former NAWAC member um, who lives uh, a little bit north of here. He's a former school teacher, retired now. And uh, he, we were running around and kind of uh, while those guys were filming, we were kind of looking at some of the the areas in Arkansas. Like we're right there in that whole Crabtree, Boggy Creek right. area, you know. Right. But um, Falk. he was freaking out because a place that he had driven by earlier it was like an abandoned house or whatever, and he was looking at it. There, there's one house that's in that movie that that they're like trying to find, and he's right. thinking that this is it, and he's looking at it, and it looks like you know nobody's lived there for sixty years or whatever, and the shutter gets pulled back, and he said it basically looked like a skeleton was looking at him, and it was a meth house, oh, like out in the middle of nowhere, and. Yikes. And he was completely freaked out the rest of the time that we were there. He was like, you know, I'd like to come out here at night and do something. But he's like, I'm totally terrified of running across some people cooking meth out in the middle of the woods. Right. Sasquatch sightings have been increasing uh, (laughs) tenfold, I'm imagining. <laughs> the last couple of years, as a result of that area. Yeah, it's it's crazy too. There's like little packs of pit bulls that are just yeah. kind of wild in the area because of yeah. they've been kept around to be guard dogs, and then they get let go. And 
It's nuts. And then their their lifeless bodies are found with their heads turned around, convincing those that a large hairy beast is somewhere loose. <laughs> loose on the run. So on the run, yes. So we were talking about your new one. You're gonna do yeah. you were just in Dallas the other day, right? Is that where you were from? Uh, no, I was not in Dallas. I thought you said you were the Dallas-Fort Worth Terminal, and there was a Law no. & Order guy there. Oh, no, no, no. That was oh, Dulles. Dulles. In, mm. in uh, Washington, D.C. I bet you. I think it auto-corrected it to Dallas. Uh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So, yeah, I was there. <laughs> that was the day that you friended Dattis Perry. And I was like... Oh, that's right. In he's the airport. Right, he's right here, man. <laughs> and it was so... It was so funny, man. It was there. He was there. Was uh, Sam Waterston, and this guy was, yeah, he was totally um, whipping his ass, handling Chris Farley. <laughs> oh man, a, it's so good to see. Remember that you thing and, you did. Remember that thing that you did once, and you're you're like you're you're more into politics, right? More than what acting? <laughs> no. <laughs> That was really, and he was very nice. So Sam Watterson is very uh, cordial. But shortly after that, he kind of got up and moved elsewhere. He, went, and he was very stereotypically reading a script as this guy was trying to talk to him. He went and bought a hat with a huge brim and pulled it down over his Probably. face. Yeah, and he, I mean, he looked exactly a little taller than I thought. He was literally sitting right across from them. I mean, there was like maybe a foot between their knees, you know, like where they're the waiting area before you get on a flight. I think that's why I turned because I heard the guy. I was just excited, but I kind of looked at him first, and then um, there was Sam sitting like five feet from me. Do you keep up with those guys much from the show any longer? Like, oh. I, I'm surprised I don't ever hear anything from Paul. And I thought you and Paul, you're yeah. hilarious together. Yeah, Paul. Well, you know, Paul is uh, in England. And he, he's having he's been having a, some health issues lately, but he's like doing uh, doing better. And Sam has just been busy. He's like working. Now he's, I think he's got two kids now. Plus the donkey. Brian's always working. Now Brian, I'm hoping we've already kind of set it up. We were now. You said did you say you know Seth Breedlove? Yes. You do know. And Seth was going to come out, all right, for this film. We actually had it set up, but then he re-looked at his schedule and figured this was really stupid to do this. It was going to be in September. And both Brian was going to drive out, probably pick him up, like in Salt Lake City, where Seth would fly to. And then they were going to come out, and we were going to drive around Bigfoot country up there and then actually go back up the hill where this thing happened to me 24 years ago that didn't squash it. So I'm hoping Brian will still do that. I haven't, he's been on vacation, but because I'm planning to do that as part of this film too, is to revisit the hill that 24 years ago this thing happened to me. So, but yeah, it's so funny. I was, I was we were texting the other day, Brian and I, and we, like we haven't actually seen each other in person like in over 10 years. We'd seen each other a couple times at Bigfoot conferences. Yeah, and then he had started the show and asked me to be part of it and. Glad he did. It was really it was really fun doing it. Available at iTunes. Yeah, still you know. still available. Still there. Yeah, we definitely had some good shows. But I think we all just got. It just was the law of diminishing returns kicked in. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It just. I mean, I would totally be up for doing like a one or two a year thing, and we just kind of review anything Bigfoot related that had gone on in the news and talk about it for a while and 
I think Brian did a great job on the show as the main, you know, the the anchor, if you will, mm-hmm. and good job of steering the show. And it was fun, and we yeah we had a pretty good. There was such a nutty swell there for a few years with the oh, yeah. Melba Ketchum. So, like, Matt, the Bigfoot show was on before Finding Bigfoot started, mm-hmm. okay? And then yeah. Finding Bigfoot starts, and just oh, think God. of all the insanity that happened right there. The Georgia hoax, the, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so, I mean, Scott was, a, was always... was a busy time. Yeah, for Scott the... was always making fun of Biscardi, and then the Melba Ketchum thing, like, exploded, to the point where these guys would do a show like once every couple of months. And during that whole Melba Ketchum thing, they did a couple of shows a week. And Scott, you actually uh, interviewed Todd Disatel when yeah. the Melba Ketchum report came out with him basically being like, eh. I mean, you know, there are certain things that really push our, you know, like obviously you always, you guys already got a taste. I mean, I'm really like Trump just makes my blood boil. And man, Melba Ketchum, that's Brian's. He just could not just, and you probably, if you've heard all those shows, you I mean, you could hear me and probably Sam just, or mostly me just trying to do, okay, look, it's obvious she's cuckoo. <laughs> so why are you so concerned? You, I mean, he was like so concerned. I think people were going to really seriously listen to her. And there are, you know, there, there were those folks who didn't do well in science in high school who probably just think she's the cat. She's like a looney tune. She's, she's, and, and a little bit of a con person. I think she's a combo being like Biscardi's pure con artist. He's pure PT Barnum. He's really the Trump of Bigfoot. No, I'm sorry. I did it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. She was like, had this sense of desperation about her. Like I've got to, I've got to have another press release about something. I've got to, it's just bad science. And she looked like a Napoleon dynamite character. Yeah, yeah, that photo of her, that, that, <laughs> that made-up, airbrushed, almost like... The glamour photo, the yeah. glamour shot. The, the glamour shot. The, it almost looked CG'd. Like, it was like... Remember that Seinfeld episode where the guy tried to Photoshop George back into a <laughs> into a photo after he erased him? And he goes, it's a cartoon! He goes, yeah, but it looks good, doesn't it? No, it doesn't look good. Yeah, that would get heated. Yeah, I mean, and of course, the, the, the always the two big heated topics were the Patterson-Gimlin film, of which I still lean fairly strongly that I think it's a hoax. Uh, and Brian, you know, closed his mind off years ago to that possibility. <laughs> and then the kill-no-kill, kill, which I, like, really take seriously, because I think, yeah, I just don't like that idea. Not that I think that if you've got a specimen... It couldn't potentially help others, other uh, Sasquatch out there. But I just think you don't have to do that in this day and age. But some patience and uh, determination and use of ever burgeoning technologies. I don't think we need to do that. Tag one, get something in this little nanotechnology, let it live its life, track it. And when it dies, dig up its rotting corpse, eat it. No, and then uh, study it that way. And you would learn so much more that way as opposed to just having a, you know, one on a slap. So, yeah, I think he still definitely believes that. And, again, I don't want to blanket that view 
and say nothing good could come up. It does, but I just don't think you need to do that because especially we, wouldn't, we don't know how many of these things there are. I think it's kind of I think it's kind of cruel to kill something just primarily to prove it exists and 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 using the argument. Well, others won't believe us unless well. That's more important to you what other things people think. So you can take a life or something else, deprive it of its life, so you can look like a big boy to other people. You know, I'm thinking, no, you don't have to. Does it, Let's does go it, to a clip. Does it frustrate <laughs> you a little bit, like talking about the Melba Ketchums of the world, does it frustrate you a little bit that the, uh, we'll call them eccentrics, are the ones that get, are the, sort of the public-facing view of the of the Bigfoot community, or is that just part of the charm to you? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's. I think it really bothers Brian more than it does me. And maybe I got my maybe one reason it doesn't bother me that much now is because Journey Towards Squatchdom is really my answer to that. It's like I I, I kind of got it out yeah. in in that parody of people like that. I mean, that's the way I look at that film. I wanted I I wanted to have fun with it and just kind of. But at the same time, I didn't want people to think that that I disbelieved, which I don't think you get from that. I, I wanted me to be neutral in it, you know, hopefully funny, but yet neutral on the subject. I just wanted to point out bad reasoning or possibly questionable psychological states by some of the alleged witnesses and whatnot. Actually, I think that's a thing that was maybe I'm the most proudest about all of us who did the Bigfoot show is that you had three of us, Sam, myself, and Brian, who, you know, are, are, you know, it's fair to say completely that we think the probability is such that these things do exist. You know, and, and Paul did a good job of being the truly like the agnostic, though I do think he thinks it's probably true. But we spend a lot of time pointing out flawed, what we perceive as flawed scientific methodology and uh, just having fun with it, too. So it would allow us an opportunity to hopefully not lose our sense of humor in a field where it can be, it's very obsessive. You know, it can, it can, yeah, it sounds like you have a little bit, you know, when you get the bug on something like Bigfoot or golf, there's something obsessive about it. You just, my God, it's such a great, it's a mystery. And it just, um, I still love thinking about it. You know, you kind of, it kind of ebbs and flows. Right. I'm telling you, man, when this last hike I just did, ending a few days ago, being up in that area, oh, man, it just started, the juices flowing again. Speculating about, you know, mini wasp-sized drones, you know, thousands of them. And if I could, if somehow the funding to be in charge of the thing where you have these drones that have little cameras and you send them into an area and they scout, you know, they go over, let's say, a 10-square mile area and and pick up heat sources and then report back all that data to a central. Oh my God, it's fascinating. Anyway. On your latest project, are you going to be doing any active searching or are you just going to try to document whatever comes across? And if you happen to run across something, I mean, other, other than returning up the hill, see the thing about seriously doing Bigfoot research, it's something that requires a lot of time and, and no, and I'm, you know, taking four months to shoot this film and that's my primary goal is to make a film hopefully that's informative of, of about that area, a little bit more uh, speculation about the Bigfoot phenomena, both from an anthropological and mythological point of view, and just having fun about hiking as well, like you had mentioned, combining those two things. But I really think, you know, if someone was really serious, the model to use, uh, it would take, an ex- I think, an extraordinary amount of time is, is like 
and we had talked about this on the show, that the lone, gutsy, smart, dedicated female researcher, who is the Jane Goodall or the Diane Fossey of the, of the realm of Bigfoot? I really think that's what it's going to take to have a human being get closer to these things. Because I just think it is another higher primate, probably even, you know, I think it's safe to say probably more sophisticated mentally than those those beings closer to us. Anything that happens that you may, maybe a strange scream you hear, whatever, it's just it's luck. You know, you're not, I mean, it's just like the thing that happened to me was just a circumstance of luck, and I followed up on it. You know, I realized that the chances of something that happened again are really slim, very, very slim. Yeah, didn't I was kind of running that down for Matt. There, let me tell you, first of all, Matt was looking you up earlier today, and he found a video on YouTube, and it's the video of you, and you're sitting by the tree, right? And you're talking about oh. your encounter. <laughs> And yeah. then when you're talking about the Bigfoot standing out from beside the tree, it yeah. cuts to the shot of what looks like a dude in a suit. Yeah, they, you, no, that's his recreation. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I was no, like, no, yeah, that, that is not. I, yeah, I didn't know no, what that was I, from. I'd seen that no. you standing there. but And I don't. Uh, he should have if he didn't. I forgot the, the guy's name who did that. He was a cool dude. But. Yeah, he should. I, I would have hoped he would make clear that's not the footage, uh, because the footage that was shot. I mean, it was made, made clear, but it was not made clear. By the... <laughs> yeah, it was made yeah, clear yeah. that it was fake, but not maybe yeah. clear yeah, enough. Maybe like a stick drawing would have been more effective <laughs> than that thing. It was a wrong color. It didn't even look like the surroundings. It was yeah, pretty pretty lame. No, it didn't. Yeah. And I thought your video, I was in the same boat as everyone else that when I watched that A&E show where it's queued up to the wrong point. So, yeah. um, which is just yeah, that, a travesty that, you know, you're on this documentary telling your story and you're like, yeah, there's clearly it's right here. And they show the complete wrong point of the yeah. video. And well, so. well the, you know, the thing is, we each had a video camera and they, they show the footage that I shot where you see the eyes of this animal that. Right. That I saw with my own eyes, and Daryl, the other guy who was with me, we saw the eyes of this animal give off this reddish glow. I mean, I, I, I saw, I mean, this is something I definitively saw. It happened probably twice over about a 10 second period. This intense, apparently bioluminescent, but completely open to the possibility of just a certain type of light refraction off the back of the, uh, the back of the eye. But it was reddish. And as soon as I saw that, and immediately after I changed my underwear, as I like to say, the probability or plausibility that this was one of these things increased quite a bit. Because when we first saw these eyes, and again, the reason we were up this hill is because there were these two kids a few weeks earlier that I had heard about through the grapevine, very happen happenstancedly, if in the fact that's a word, and had a sighting. And I went and interviewed them along with a buddy of mine. We interviewed them separately both were very believable. I mean, what the story they were telling us wasn't like what we heard or something. Like that. They saw one, a grayish one, about 100 feet away from them, just staring at them uh, up on this embankment of a dry creek bed. So the few weeks later, we go back and then go up the hill at the base of which they had the sighting not thinking we were going to encounter anything. You know, you know, you somebody who said you saw a bear at point A, and I go by three weeks later, I'm not expecting to see the bear. I'm keeping an eye out for a bear, but I'm not expecting really to see it. 
But near the top of that hill, we encountered this animal that was low. So at first it wasn't like, oh, a high squatch alert because it was kind of low. But when the eyes went red, it was like scared the shit out of us. And like I mentioned, the plausibility that it was one of these things, in my opinion, increased because it's a commonly, fairly commonly reported thing when you check old reports, Native Americans, people who said they've seen them up close, is this strange type of red glow that happens. And I'm not one to attribute, like, supernatural uh, aspects to this phenomenon. But you could see why someone would. I mean, I'm not kidding, dude. This red was like, you know, Christopher Lee in a late 50s uh, Hammer Dracula film. That's yeah. what it looked like. And um, and then shortly after that happened, Daryl got video with his camera that they showed the wrong part because he just sent them the raw video and didn't queue it up because we had shot video going up thinking, okay, we're going up this way, and he thought he saw something. And I remember at that point, I didn't see anything, but he's pointing and he thought he's, and that's what they thought. And he didn't let them know, know it when we got to the top of the hill. So when sightings, remember the show Sightings on Fox? <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Right. They asked me to go on the show and I said, yeah, I'll do it. But if you use the right piece of tape, that was not what I was referring to that first part. Um, so this was great. Actually, what they did was re- really good and very scientific. So I show up to be interviewed, and they have waiting there the producer from the Ancient Mysteries guy. I forgot his name. His name was Jim. Cool guy. I didn't know he was going to be there, but it was good they did this. They shouldn't have told me because they're trying to check out the veracity of the story. And he was able to confirm, okay, oh, this is this is part of the same tape. It is later, and he never even got that far because the first thing he looked at is when Daryl thought he was seeing something earlier on in the in the uh, tape, uh, as I mentioned before. So they did show that footage, which is in Squatcher, where you see what to me and most people I show, you can clearly see this grayish, what looks to be a heavily muscled upper arm sticking out of the side of this bush. And what looks like, and a head that has the same color as the arm, and then where the face would be, it's dark, and what looks like a protruding brow ridge. It's about probably thirty feet away from the camera. And in all this time, as someone who I, I think, has a fairly good grasp on the scientific method and tries to consider all possibilities when something happens to them. I have contemplated hoax scenarios, misperception scenarios, um, wishful thinking scenarios with what happened. And still to this day, I think in all strong probability what happened was that there was not one but two of those things there that day. It's the only thing that fits with what I saw with my own eyes and what I saw Daryl shoot video of that I immediately saw once we went back down the hill. How... How does that make you feel? Like I, I ask that question because I, I hear from a lot of people or just the people that we've talked to that when you actually do see one of these things, if that's what you you know believe that you saw, yeah. um, that it's a pretty almost life altering event, like almost a uh, 
like almost a miracle in the religious sense, you know, like it it really kind of changes your perspective on things. So I'm wondering how you feel about it now that you say that in all probability, that's what happened. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's not this like, Oh, it's, you know, this, this overwhelming beatific vision, you know, all my life is safe. I mean, going in, I already did. I fully admit going in, I was predisposed to believing that these things are real based on what I've read and talking to uh, alleged eyewitnesses. Uh, so I have to take that into account when I, when I, you know, reanalyze what happened to me that day. Um, I think what it did, it just confirmed even more. And the reason I say 99.9% is because what I saw were the eyes and I'm watching Daryl as he's shooting this video and he's losing his shit as he, I'm over to the side of him while he's shooting this. Cause we had made this move to separate because we saw these red eyes. We wanted it. We couldn't see exactly what it was. We wanted to get it to move. We're moving in this thick stuff. And as he moved, he later told me he saw this sidestep motion, like somebody crouching and sidestepping like a human form, human like form. And he started taping and so when he did, his voice went up about an octave, and he's like, he's visibly shaken. I mean, you can just, you saw him just like trying to hold his shit together while he was taping. Um, so, yeah, all in all, it's, it was, I, I, I still say it's probably the strangest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, I don't, it, it's kind of cool. I mean, I've told the story so many freaking times. I mean, it's like hundreds of times, but. It's not. It doesn't bother me to tell it, especially if somebody's really interested in hearing about it, um, and if she's really cute, that helps. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I just think it's cool, and, it, and it's just. A, I think it's. It just intensifies, or has intensified, my interest in in the overall mystery of this. I still, if if. If I had seen with my very own eyes, you know, a, a heavily muscled thing standing there and looking at me and clear, then it would probably be, I wouldn't even be hesitating saying 99.9. What I saw was Daryl shooting the video and immediately looking at the video when we went down. So I knew this is what he shot because I could hear my voice on the tape, you know, again, contemplating all possible hoax scenarios, right? Yeah. Like Daryl had Sean Penn caliber because he was crying. And after when he stopped taping, he's looking at me, he's whispering, he's right there, man, it's right, right. And tears are in his eyes. And I'm trying to hold my stuff together. I'm, you know, and we had no pepper spray, no gun. We're way the hell up this really steep hill. And so I just had to kind of take control and, and say, let's, let's get out of here. Figuring that he had got something on tape for about 30 seconds. And I remember the first time watching the tape, when we got down, it was really close to the TV, and I didn't see anything initially. And I go, what's he talking about? I figured maybe he was just scared because we had seen these red eyes just a few seconds ago. And in the same general area, he thought he saw something. But then when I rewound the tape and I stood back from the TV, and I just took a, got a little farther view, I'll never forget looking at that thing and going, oh, my God. I looked away from the TV, and I remember saying to myself internally, be objective, be objective. Don't roar shark this. You're into Bigfoot. Apply all appropriate critical thinking skills here. 
And when you look back, I mean, nothing else fits what it is. To me, it's clearly a humanoid shape there, and it moves. Its head moves twice, and all the vegetation around it never moves. So it, the thing on the sighting show is that they actually verified that that, that head, what looks like a head, is definitely moving independently. Uh, at first, when I, we, we brought the tape in, <clears throat> the, the, it was like a German analyst. But it's going, yes, you know, though, when you move the camera a little bit with all the vegetation, they can give the illusion that something is moving. And I knew what he was saying, but it was also pretty clear, just from a common sense point of view, that the object was moving by itself. But he had some software to verify or not verify if that was the case. So he runs he runs the test on the video and he goes, well, whatever it is, it is moving by itself. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's a little crestfallen by all that. When I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I watched the DVD when I got it, Matt, um, I think I actually like took a screenshot of it and I texted it to Seth and I was like, I, I think maybe then I tweeted something along the lines of leave it to the guy who's the comedian right. to have come up with one of the best yeah. videos that you I've seen. What? This is the thing, man. And I know I'll, I, I, I'm lucky, I guess, that I don't, I, I, I put it this way. I completely understand if Joe Blow has never been in Bitcoin, he starts, he reads about me on the internet or whatever and, Oh, he's a comic and he got it? He would just write it off if he didn't want to go any deeper into it. And and I, I completely get, you know, that. But I guess maybe why I don't worry about that is because I know I'm telling the truth. Right. I know what I saw. And um and again, it's just my opinion, but I have some actual physical evidence to back it up, some video evidence and just my account of what I saw. But I can't really get mad at anybody. I mean, if somebody had told me that, hey, this guy, oh, yeah, he was a comic for 12 years, and then he's, oh, well, how convenient. <laughs> and he wouldn't bother to know that I had been into this for many years prior and, you know, it met a lot of these people. You know, like I'd, I'd, I've met John Green and Grover Krantz and Renee DeHinden before he passed away. So I've always been really fascinated in this. So no, I just think it's it's funny, even in the community, because – Here's a guy who makes a mockumentary right. about Sasquatch. And then at the same time, and another, and, you know, Squatching right. is a, a lot different than Journey. Yeah. A lot I like different. I it's stereo comic. I mean, it's like, I'd like to have fun in it, but I think I'm being clear when I'm throwing jokes in and when I'm yeah. not kidding. Like when we go up the hill again and look around. As I'm looking at it for the first time, I was like, it was like a holy s moment. Like I can see it in there. There was no yeah, need for a red circle or yeah. you know the blob squatchy thing to me. I was just like holy crap, and I yeah. oh, couldn't I'm glad. believe it. That's, that's good to hear. You know, because it's funny. I'm always reminded when somebody tells me that when I worked, I worked at a TV station in, starting in '98. It was in the Bay Area called Tech TV, mm-hmm. and um, so this was like. Six years after this happened, but you know, I would still talk to people about. I still talk to people about this. What happened? And I was showing video. I was showing the clip, and there's about four people around a big screen, and they're all kind of what, what? And this other, this other woman who worked there. What was her name? Nicole. Nicole Rabati was her name. And I hadn't even told her what was going on, and 
she just walked by and glanced at her. Whoa, whoa, what's that standing back there? It looks like a, some people have described it. It looks, and it kind of has a general color and the shape. It's kind of a stormtrooper look to it. Yeah, because the way the light comes in on it, it's like got right. a. The kind of the bulging of the deltoid uh, on, the, on the arm. And uh, the, the head is not as big as like a uh, stormtrooper helmet would be. It's actually very, the head is very, I kind of describe it as chrome domey. It's not, you know, your kind of your average description of a um, of a Bigfoot. You hear a lot of about the occipital ridge or the sagittal crest. Something kind of points up in the back. This thing did not have that, from what I could see. I mean, because it never really turns sideways its head or anything. It's but yeah, it looked more like a like half a watermelon. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just it was just big. I mean, the face is really dark relative. And again, you got to remember this is VHS tape. Dude, it freaked me out when I watched it that night. Yeah. And um at this point, my wife had fallen asleep on the couch and I was getting up out of the chair and I think I was using the PlayStation as my DVD player. And I'm like, right. you know, so I've got the PlayStation controller, you know, where you're trying to rewind right. with the thing. It's not anywhere near as easy. Rewind it and pause it. And I, there, I had that moment where I like hit it perfect on the X and I'm looking at it and I got chills. It's like the, yeah. uh, like the scene from Signs where he sees the alien walk across the... Oh, right, right. <laughs> it's exactly right. like that. that. That's, a good, that's a good comparison. I think the thing... If I'm remembering correctly, when I saw when Daryl popped the video in, that was a double kind of corroboration for me. It was not only the shape, but it was matching the color the kids described at the base of the hill a few weeks earlier. And if you look at all, you know, the, the basic database of sightings going back, it's a relatively small percentage of light-colored ones. It usually tends to be brown, dark brown, or black. Or the, but there are these reports people report light-colored ones, grayish, beige-ish. Yeah, I'll tell you something else that's a little freaky that may be connected to this. There was a book that came out, and we talked about it on the Bigfoot show. can't remember the guy's name. What did he, he's an ex-cop, and he wrote a book. He, he got a great idea. He, David Pilates? David Pilates, exactly. And he got the permission to go on the Hoopa Reservation right. because the crow flies is only about 20 miles from where this happened to me, right? Mm-hmm. And he was able to get permission to go on and talk to people who said they've seen these things. And one of the drawings in there is very similar. And not only is the shape very similar, <clears throat> but the guy described it as being light-colored, grayish. Mm. So it wouldn't, if in fact what I saw was a Bigfoot, which I think it was the case at 99.9%, and if that guy actually saw one, not a bad chance, I think, given only a 20-mile difference that it could have been the same one. Yeah. And I think I think it was a few years, his report was a few years after mine. I've got um, I've got that Hoopa Project book in the car. How insane yeah, is that? Yeah, I'm so sad about that book. It's such a great idea, and it's so interesting in the interviews, but like the rest of the book, <laughs> it's so shittily written. He just gets so many things wrong. What did he the What Patterson did he get wrong about was, the Patterson film? Oh, totally. Like it shot on eight millimeter, wrong sixteen millimeter. He got he got he just got so many things wrong. It was like holy shit. So I just hope he was a little more attentive to detail on the interviews. I assume he recorded them. 
so he could uh, dictate him and, and put it down. But yeah, in fact, I'm even thinking about trying to get a hold of David. And if he, I, oh, this would cool. I think this would be cool, dude. What do you think of this idea? If he would be willing, if he could get the guy who had that story, right? And then I get to meet the guy and then show him the video that oh, we got on the hill. That would be awesome. See what his reaction is. Is this like what you saw? Same, I mean, again, it's VHS, it's 30 feet away, but it may be he'll, he could say, wow, yeah, it was similar to that or whatever, but. I, w- um, I wonder if, and I'll look, I wonder if the guy's name is, if if his full name is in there. I don't know. If I'm remembering, I thought he kept. He kept that out of there? some secrecy. I thought because he was, maybe that was part of the deal to get the permission to go on the reservation. I'm not sure. Or maybe he used the pseudonym. I don't I don't know. But I might try to do that. Yeah, that area to me is actually because that's where it happened. If there was this, and I, I bring it up again because I am fascinated by this possibility of small drones, like tiny. Did, uh, did you happen to see the movie Eye in the Sky? Mm-hmm. It's a great movie about, like, they used this drone in the film that was like the size of a beetle. Mm-hmm. And... And obviously the cost is, it would be incredibly prohibitive at this point. But if you really could literally get hundreds of these types of drones uh, connected into a system where you could program them, okay, you're, it's going to grid out this five square mile or ten square mile, and you send them out, and they know where they're going to go because you coordinated it. And if they had camera capabilities, but still, even then, it's, I think this is how difficult this mystery is, or one of the reasons why this mystery is hard to solve. Let's say you had 400 cameras and you get this hit camera 281, just picked up an image and you see the image on the screen and man, it looks upright. It's not a bear It's flying four feet from it. And you know exactly where it is. And let's say it's a half a mile away. What the hell do you do then? You'd have to have like at least a hundred well-trained, almost, I would claim, almost Navy SEAL-like guys to do, like, circling in. And again, I would not, not in favor of killing one. But somehow then either tranquilization or some kind of, God, it would be great if some kind of dart could actually, or device would shoot into it, and then when it goes in, it leaves something in the animal. Yeah, like um, a chip. Like a chip, like you, you can get it in the back, so it'd be harder for it to dig it out, and at least for a while get a tracking on it. You can just see just by that scenario how difficult that would be. <clears throat> well, like I always used to say, if you're going to kill one, as long as you eat it, right? And I'm okay with it. <laughs> right. So, do you live? Uh, do you live in Eureka? Oh God, no! I, I uh, like I wasn't joking before. Doing these movies. No, I mean I know you uh, live with your parents, but I mean I can't. Yeah. I, oh no, no, I'm down in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. You're in L.A. Yeah, L.A. area, uh, Northridge area, Porter Ranch. Do you know, and did you see the, uh, do you know the sportscaster Gary Radnich? Gary Radnich? He's on uh, KRON. Let me, I got my computer up. What a name sounds familiar. Why, did he have a sighting or something? Or was he into this <laughs> No, this has nothing to do with Bigfoot. It just cracks <laughs> oh, okay. me up because you're a TV guy. Oh, yeah. He, uh, oh yeah, he, well, he was in the bear. He, yeah, he he went bananas on his uh on his on the news anchor the other night because she read that 
LeBron James was going to be in the remake of Space Jam. <laughs> and he took it like she wrote it, read his material and he just berates her for two minutes on the air. And it's so uncomfortable. Are you kidding me? No, it's hilarious. Because Wait, because she said LeBron James. Yeah, she she's like she had already said LeBron James is going to be in Space Jam. And then so he was supposed to say it. Oh, and he was like, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Uh, if there's an irrigation problem in Gilroy. Do uh, did I ever say that? And he just wait a minute. Wow, I, I got the page now. I'll, I'll look at it later. Did I already take it off? What would I? What would I Google there? What would that be? Let's see. I'll tell you what. I've got the Facebook up. Let me just message you. It's right here. Sorry, can you hear me? Okay, I'm, I'm just. Uh, let me. Yeah, no, you need to see it. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I can hear you. Man, there's a lot of Gary. There's Gary Rednitz drunk two years ago. <laughs> yeah, apparently he does a talk show and he's quite an asshole anyway. And I even heard somebody say he has a little hand. And uh, <laughs> and, and that normally they wouldn't make fun of him for having a little hand, but he's such a dick to people that it's a bit now when people go on the news or whatever or go on his show, they try to get him to reveal his hand to the camera. So this is like a... Like an advanced drinking game in the Bay Area. Oh, my God. I just Facebook messaged you the article that the tape is still good. Oh, great. I love love TV meltdowns. Are you pissing in a cup or what? No. I I saved that only for uh, the Bigfoot show. I think I did that probably three times. Uh, Yeah, and it's so funny. While I was taking a whiz... uh, I really didn't think it was going to be loud enough to be picked up, but but oh, oh when yes. you got the kind of hose I'm packing, <laughs> I guess you really can't keep it too quiet. So I right back. I told Matt we were actually talking to uh, Will Jevning and he uh, was buddies with Ray, Renee DeHinden or whatever. But I actually cool. quoted your impression of Renee DeHinden talking about Eric Beckyard. <laughs> Can you can you can you tell that story to Matt real quick? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I'm, you mean okay? So it's a so it's DeHinden is out and he's talking about Beckyard, and Beckyard had a fur coat on. Oh yeah. Okay. Let me. So you want me to do it as Renee DeHinden? Yes. I'll try to. Let's see if I can remember. All right. So anyway. <laughs> That's so you know this guy, yeah, Beckyard. He's a fucking nut job. And uh, so he comes out. I finally meet him. This is probably horrible. I'm probably not remembering this right, uh, the, the voice. Anyway, so we're out, and um, it sounds more like Jay Leno doing Rene DeHinden. Anyway, and this, uh, this guy's wearing this goddamn fur coat. I don't know where the hell he got it. And we're out. And we're, he's out to the left. I got my rifle. And uh, I look, like five minutes later, uh, I look. I, I look to the right and I just see this fur coming and I could have shot the bastard. I'm doing a horrible thing. I can't even remember his voice. Anyway, they basically, yeah, he says he could have, he could have shot, put everybody out of goddamn misery. This crazy son of a bitch. Uh, he was. Did I? Did you hear ever tell you like my run-in with Beckyard that I had in Canada? Yeah, yeah. Do, r- r- tell Matt that one. I guarantee you, he hadn't heard oh, that. Oh my God, he was just. So you were showing Journey, Journey, Journey right? Watched them, yeah. And um, I think it was the thing with Datus that really got because he knew Datus, 
And he just comes down to me. He says, "Guy, this is bullshit. This is <laughs> and I, this is bullshit." Like, yeah, it's it's, co- it's a comedy, okay? Relax. And he just, like shoved me, and then he got kicked out. <laughs> he didn't shove me hard, but he's like sticking his finger in my shoulder. And then the next day, I, I came back, and he uh, he kind of confronted me in the parking lot. And he was the thing about Eric. He was like truly, pretty obviously, like a paranoid schizophrenic. He just he definitely had issues. So it was really kind of hard um, to get super pissed at him because he, he really felt like he was fighting a disease. And there had been so many other stories. So, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was a letterman once. Did you know that? Yeah. I wish that, yeah. you know, CBS pulled all that letterman stuff after he retired. And really, yeah, that, all that like CBS are kind of getting in the. Yeah. NBC vein of being like really hardcore about their videos being put up. I mean, they'll put up the Colbert right. stuff. Yeah, no, because I wanted to go look at it. He he kind of reached this level of weird stardom there for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then he just. Um, His yeah, demons he was, got him. He was the craziest guy I think ever. Because, but it was weird because he had like an intelligence too. And so you would kind of, I remember Lauren Coleman always had an interesting take. He also knew him a lot longer than I did. And I think he kind of, he always viewed Eric as a jokester, which I think is true to a degree, but it was like with him, it was, it evolved into genuine psychosis. Yeah. You know, he would just print things that there was just no hint at all that he was joking, but then that he seemed very serious. I mean, again, having encountered this guy, he was not joking. Well, well who was the he, uh, the Jim Carrey, the wrestler? What, like Andy Kaufman? Yeah, oh, Andy, Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah, but he was like Andy Kaufman if Andy Kaufman was really crazy instead of playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he's the character. But, crazy. but then it like started there, you know, where he would. He would kind of, it was like he was wearing a character and then. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Then maybe it got too far. I, I don't know. Bigfoot be making people crazy, yo. <laughs> yeah. He was probably the all time Looney Tune of, uh, I mean, you got Biscardi's like the biggest con man. Beckyard was the biggest nut job. I say that lovingly. <laughs> I love um, this. And, um, I think maybe Matt Moneymaker is actually more like the, the Trump of Sasquatchery, though. He's <laughs> kind of that bully, uh, willing to be a bullshitter, you know, and, and the ends justify the means type of guy. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Matt. I knew Matt. You know how I met Matt? This is He was all over this shit early. I mean, he was into this and has always been a serious believer, a, a bit of a, a, more than a bit, but a bit of a, a, a jumper to conclusioner type of guy, but it was literally like a day or two after this thing happened to me in '92. I knew Danny Perez. Oh, I'm sorry, Daniel. Don't call me Danny Perez. And I think I had called him, and so he had called Moneymaker. And I was, I when I had, this had happened in '92. I had a gig down in Sacramento at a place called Laughs Unlimited, and at the bungalow. I don't know how the hell he got my number there, but he called me there. And he introduced himself and says, yeah, I'm into this. And so I was totally sympathetic to hearing about it. And I told him. And so I knew him from then on. But, yeah, Matt got. He called you at Matt the comedy club? Out. What's that? He called you at the comedy club? Yeah, he called me at the bungalow. 
I see, you know, not the bungalow, the, the, the apartment that comics would stay in. Wow. So, you know, it could have been that I called Perez from there, and I would have Perez call me back, and then all of a sudden I get this call from this guy, that moneymaker. And so we talked for hours. Because I had been into it, and we were talking about all the famous sightings and all that. So, you know, at that point, Matt was still, was, was trying to set up. He, he, he had always loved, it, probably still does to a degree, loves being the guy behind the curtain getting everyone else to do actually the work in the field and hopefully reaping the benefits from it somewhere. I was actually a little surprised that he ended up being on TV. I didn't think he would, I didn't think he really wanted to do that. But Brian thought he always wanted to be like this, the first, one of the first Bigfoot stars. And it's just so fucking horrible. I've got to hate it. It's just so not finding Bigfoot. The stars of Bigfootery. You've been, you've always been kind of an agitator, though. Who me? Yeah, you. Yeah. Well, I like to call it as I see it. You know, I mean, I think if something's bullshit, I'm going to call it. You know, I, that's what I think. Yeah. Just like, just like Eric Beckyard and just like Renee Hinden. It's <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, you know, it's just horse, it's horse shit with these guys. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a way. There was another one that you said that he was standing next to you at a conference and leaned over and said, "This is a bunch of bullshit." <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I was, it was. I think it's what because you know him and Krantz had a. Had That's a, what it was. Is about. Krantz. Yeah, what a bunch of bullshit. This is about the fucking stick or whatever. You know, I don't know. Actually, the, you know, Dehinde would would criticize. Then he would come up with some bad science himself. Like there's this whole debate about the stick that the Patterson film su- subject steps on, and that if you could get that stick, then you could measure that stick, and then you could make. An accurate thing. How many fucking sticks are in the forest, for God's sake? How many from a piece of film that's shot 90 feet away know that that's the stick? It's like the magic bullet. Magic bullet, man. And you've heard me talk about the Patterson film. I mean, I still, to this day, it's still, man, if I could get the rights to use like what Bill Munns has the, the stuff, I'd love to make a film. And really do try to make it as objective as possible. Per, you know, present like the five best arguments why the people believe the Patterson film is is real, and the five best skeptical arguments. Because even though I think it's probably false, anybody who says it's clearly a costume doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I I hear from a lot of people when they talk about that. They said, "Oh, yeah, I thought that was proven as a hoax years ago." Yeah, I said, I no. you know, I don't think it's quite so proven. I'm sure there are people that believe that, no. but no, it's not. I mean, the things like when the right leg goes down and you see what really looks like a calf flex, that that how did he do that? How did he create that when nobody could find an example of that in any known costumes in film or TV from that era, or I think even now? I mean, you see it you know, plant the foot and it like flexes like a calf would. That's what it really looks like. Yeah. But then on the other hand, the butt kind of sits there, the old diaper butt theory. And then back on the positive side, you go to the back. Uh, it's like, man, the back looks fucking real. It just looks, it's like indented where the spine would be. So how did he do that? And this is the thing Mons goes about on about, about, you know, where the neck, if it's a costume, you don't see any evidence of uh, a seam up there at all. 
But even with that said, I mean, even Munz admits, look, you know, people of experts have been fooled in the past because you get a rogue kind of smart artistic dude who comes in and he doesn't do it the quote unquote right way. And has come up with a method that the quote unquote experts had never thought of before. So he admits that's a possibility, but it's all the red flags surrounding the shooting of the film that lead me to think it's probably false. That, you know, like no one can explain where it got um, developed. They said they shot it on Friday at Bluff Creek. And then somehow in 48 hours, they were showing it in Yakima, Washington, but they can't, nobody can remember where it was developed. Hmm. And it's like, really? And then Greg Long, who wrote a book, being skeptical of it, researched it and found like there were only five places that type of film could have been developed, and he couldn't get any confirmation from those places. And there's just, and then, and then Hieronymus coming forth and saying, Hey, enough of the bullshit. I was the guy in the costume taking two lie detector tests, passing them as basic body type fits the character or the subject in the film. Yet, if you take the totality of what Bob Aronimus says, there's a lot of contradictions in it about where, when and where it was shot. It's just, it's just a fascinating mystery to me. It, it, it is the mystery of the mystery, which is... It is. It's the best mystery within the general mystery of Bigfoot. I mean, the definitive documentary on the Patterson film has not been made yet. And as I think I've said on the Bigfoot show, kind of the sad thing about it is I think if, if it's a hoax, which I think it probably is, it's, almost, it's 99% certain that Bob Gimlin was involved with it. Uh, Hieronymus, who says he was the guy in the suit, says definitely Gimlin was in on it. And, um, but he's still, and he's, Bob's very believable. Bob Gimlin's a very nice guy, great guy, uh, but I think he's probably lying. And, uh, but if he dies tomorrow, I think the chance of finding out if that's the real Sasquatch dies with him. Because I don't, I, as much as I've contemplated about the film, I can't see a way how you could conclusively determine it's not a guy in a suit. If Gimlin confessed that it was a hoax, most people, including myself, would say, well, that's that's proof enough. I mean, and he gave some details or whatever. But I don't know if it could ever really be proven. That it was not a hoax. Yeah. Right. Because it's just too close anatomically to a guy... And, but now, by the same token, the, any attempts that have been made to try to recreate it have, fall, have fallen short. The thing is, there really hasn't been, an attempt? in my opinion, a serious attempt to recreate it. There's mm-hmm. these, these loosey-goosey, like one show, they had a guy in like an orangutan outfit, and they're not even at Bluff Creek, and he's walking. I mean, you got to use the same camera, the same type of film. Uh, you don't have to be right at the same site because it's it's effectively gone. It's changed so much over the years. But you got to get the light lighting conditions, like from the, like probably shoot at the same time of year, and then you might get closer to determining if it could have been faked. But as far as demonstrating that it's been faked, it, that's it's never really even come close to being done. Yeah, Let's go to a click. you'd be great at that. Well, I knew, but but in order, yeah, you're right, man. I would. Be. No, I. Um, 
But in order to do it, I would have to get the rights to the film. And I honestly don't know if the Patterson family would let me because I'm, I've been a vocal critic of the film. Yeah, they, won't, they won't even let you go to conferences where Bob Giblin's oh, involved. Oh, but yeah, but Bo, you know what? Oh, but dude, this was really cool. Or maybe I mentioned it on the show. I think Boba was somewhat tongue-in-cheek about that, you know, when he said he was, well, he better not try to show up and <laughs> cause any trouble. I'll punch him or something like that. But I, I know Bobo. I actually interviewed him years ago for a, another a PBS show mm-hmm. I was a host on. It was like 20, 25 years ago before Finding Bigfoot, before all this stuff. I kind of thought at first maybe he really was pissed, and then I, and then I read later that, no, nah, he really wasn't that pissed. He was kind of, kind of joking. But... What I heard was really cool. What he did, he was on Joe Rogan's show. And Rogan asked him, where did the term squat, like squatching come from? And he gave me credit. He said, because the first time I ever heard it was Scott Harry's video. What? Really? Yeah. That was pretty cool. That's really cool. And I'm sure, I mean, other people, I mean, it's such an easy enough term to come up with independently for many different people, but... I think it probably was the first time it was used in any type of media, 2002. So I got some big money coming my way. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Trademark that. And yeah. I use Sasquattle now. I, I think Good. that's that's appropriate, and I would always yeah. give you credit for that. Thank you. I believe I did come up with that as well. God, I am just, I'm, I'm legendary. <laughs> you are. You're a legend. <laughs> you are. You're, you are legend. You are yeah. Sasquatch. Man, we have just we have just gone all over the place. That's what we like to do. We like to veer all over the road. Did you see did you see the story, Matt, about the Cincinnati zoo today? Uh no. Oh I did. Was it was it dead to they killed the mountain gorilla? Yeah. well the four year old boy was lucky to be alive Saturday after falling into a gorilla enclosure at the Cincinnati Zoo. Yeah, I did. I actually saw that on the Bigfoot. No, I didn't. Somebody put, I saw it somewhere. I thought I, wait a minute, hold on a second. I don't think they posted on the Bigfoot Show page. No, but somebody posted it somewhere. I saw it in the news feed on Facebook. Yeah, he and, fell in and the 17-year-old yeah. male grabbed him and was dragging him around in the oh, moat. When Jabari. Yeah. Oh, oh, so the, oh, so the gorilla did grab him. Yeah. I, yeah. Was, well, I, was I think con- they had to. I, th- I think, I mean, in that case, yeah. They I mean, actually, they actually said... Okay, it looked like that the gorilla wasn't actually attacking the child, but he was kind of like playing with him. Yeah. And he's in water. So the kid is like in water and the gorilla's like kind (laughs) of chostling him around and they had to kill him, which pisses me off that they had to kill him. Yeah. What I read, what somebody posted was that the reason they said they had to make a judgment call because if they tried to tranquilize him, it doesn't take effect immediately, and it could enrage the gorilla, and he could have taken it out on the kid. So as hard as the decision it was, it sounds from what I've read like they made the right one. Yeah, yeah, um, they definitely because, did. It's just. Yeah, it's just sad. Or, or 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 maybe, you know, like the old Western, just, you know, wing him, hit him in the arm. You have to. <laughs> Shoot him in the kneecap. Shoot him in the kneecap, Sparky. How about keep your kids out of the gorilla enclosure? I don't understand. How can he fall into the fucking enclosure? Again, see, Scott, we had a situation where a gorilla escaped (laughs) our enclosure here in Dallas about 10, 15 years ago and went bananas. It took them like 30 minutes to hunt this gorilla in the enclosure 
in the Wilds of Africa exhibit. That's how like shifty this gorilla was. And then at one point it stepped out into the sidewalk and it had a kid's shoes dangling out of its mouth. And I mean, he went bananas, but the kids were apparently like taunting the fuck out of him. And he climbed, he climbed up and (laughs) got out and was like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Oh my God. You know, it was one of the funny things. I went to, there was a Calgary Zoo up in Canada years ago. And it was just sad. You can sit in there and watch, you know, the mountain gorillas for a long time. And of course, connected to the Bigfoot stuff. And, you know, I looked at it as indirect research. Yeah, totally. And so I would see... You'd get like a group of three kids would come in and they'd be at the window and you could see there'd be a, a silverback pretty close and they'd bang on the window and they'd literally making faces at him. And every time this gorilla would do the same thing, he'd do this fake out move where he'd kind of get up like he was walking away and then he would just turn around and smash the window and scare the shit out of the kids and then they'd run away. <laughs> and then here comes the new batch of kids. It was like his entertainment. He knew what he was doing. I'm going to scare these kids. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that was good. Wasn't there was some video recently too where the mountain gorilla did that and it broke the window? Yeah, yeah. To- like it, it shattered it. Or and something. it actually like walks. It takes like three or four yeah. steps on its hind legs as it's coming towards. That's the ba- and it's the beating of the chest that got yeah. it. And what's crazy is when because of the reflection in the glass, you can see the people's terrified yeah, looks. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, man. You ever see that footage? I think we talked about it on the Bigfoot show of that gorilla. I think it was in Germany. And somebody got this footage of a gorilla in an enclosure. And because it had something in its hand, I think it was like a bag or something. And it didn't because they're they're largely, they're quadrupedal, right? Right. It didn't want to crush what it had in its hand. So it just walked yeah. on two legs, like very casually. La-da-da. It wasn't like hunched over. It was like very erect and it walked. Hmm. You've seen so that, right, like man? Proving uh, I, that these things obviously can, and it can for kind of a long time because it, we chose it walking for at least like 50, 60 feet just on two feet. Kind of, it's kind of funny, but I don't know what my point was there. I just thought I'd. No, no, you're right. Gonna... You're right. I just uh, saw that Cincinnati Zoo story right before we got on the phone, and then I saw it pop up in the news feed while we were talking. And of course, talking gorilla always means. You're getting close to the footery. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, I'm going to let you go because it's late. You've This has already been better than I expected, and I expected it to be great. I mean, I knew okay. I knew what I was getting when I got you on the horn. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you thought it was good. Just, you know, edit it down to a tight 12 minutes, and it'll be gold. <laughs> Let's do one more thing. Let's tell the people yeah. about the, uh, obviously, SquatchFilms.com. And it's yetifan at yahoo.com is your PayPal? Yeah, if you're interested in being a backer for my latest project called the hopefully great uh, 2016 Bigfoot Trail Expedition, I will still honor those reward options that are up. So you can still go to Kickstarter, and if you search on Bigfoot Trail, it will come up, but it's just no longer active. Yeah, I'll put the link up because I I was looking at it, and basically the – $25, $50, $100 pledge, and I'll put that link up, and people can look at that and then just shoot you the PayPal. And I would assume that then you will be able to, like, take their email address and information or whatever and put it into your backer program. I actually do. Well, what I do, I can't insert it into the Kickstarter percent page, but I have a separate folder I actually just made today. I've had three other people, you know, who, who have done this, 
And uh, so I'll just put it in that folder so when it comes time for uh, when the film's done to send it out or if they get a DVD or if they get their name in the credits or whatever the reward dictates, then I'll just check on that. Awesome. I'm going to take credit for that because I was the person who said, (laughs) is it too late to get in on this thing? Oh, you were. Oh, that's right. You were on. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, on yeah. Facebook that when you that morning that you posted that. I mean, I literally yeah. had created that Facebook profile the night before. And, and, and somebody and, just did it today, and and that person who did it today liked your comment, so I know they saw it there. Right there, now, buddy. Granted, you know, they, power they, of they social only media. Two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> Man, wool heaters should give up more than that. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, speaking of which, so I haven't seen Wool Heater in a long time, but it looks like, yeah, I think we're kind of confirmed on this. He's coming out in early September. He's going to be out with his girlfriend, I guess, or his wife, maybe his girlfriend and his wife. They're going to, and I'm going to interview him as, you know, as guys involved in Bigfoot. They're going to come up to the north there, probably in Eureka, and we'll meet up, maybe even in Willow Creek. And, uh, run some tape with him. He sure as shit isn't hiking with me, I'll tell you that. So um I don't know what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's uh he's he's right around here. He's he's a Dallas guy, I think. He is he's a character there's a Bigfoot character. That's, he's a he's a big presence in the Bigfoot community. He is. He's been around a long time and he was always a big uh supporter of uh squatching and you know he had Put on. He was like kind of the the guy who put on the, the Texas Bigfoot conference for uh, yeah. several years. What's the name of that town? Yeah, you're in Eastern. They've had it at Jefferson and then yeah. also in Tyler. I think I went to like three in Jefferson. Okay. And I haven't been in years, but they were always fun. I think the last, God, it, may, it might be 10 years since I went to the last one. That's crazy. Because there's only so many times you can see Smoky Crabtree talk, I think. <laughs> well, you can't yeah, see him anymore. anymore. <laughs> no longer. Yeah. There's so much in this uh, in this bigfootery game. I really yeah. appreciate you taking the time that you have. Like I really enjoyed it. Obviously, Matt, I kind of dominated the ball on this possession. Matt, Matt fell asleep about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> we were, as soon but, as we, as no. soon as we veered off onto the political run, he yeah. his eyes glazed over. The news. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're looking for the nearest seven foot drop. I knew that we would get along, but, uh, I really appreciate the time and I hope, you know, if you're into it anytime that you want to, that you want to just shoot the shit, uh, you're, you're, you're really good at it. And as a guy that one of the reasons that I like the Bigfoot show is because I'm a radio guy. And like you said, Brian was the perfect foil for what he did. You're the perfect compliment, and so uh, I can appreciate that as just overall talent. Clearly, you have loads. Oh, thanks, man. Well, it, it's just I think it's easy when you're when you're um, when you're into something when it's really a um, if it's a topic you find fascinating. It's easy to to yak about it a lot, and hopefully, 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 anybody listening will, is at least entertained, if not. And maybe they, maybe they learn something. Who, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, no, man, you got lots of skills, and I'm I'm stoked about the uh, the upcoming one. I'm gonna go look through, uh, check out the flip flop flipping and all of that. The oh, cool! Looks like you really updated the site. It looks great. Yeah, I had help from a young lady, uh, you know. Mary Carter, up in 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 Portland. She was great, man. She. Um, 
Yeah, because I wanted to have streaming capability with it. I, I was downloading using another program, and but I wanted to shift that a little bit. And then, yeah, she just got some nice graphics in there and stuff. So uh, that's been great. Uh, Amazon's been the best. I mean, as far as, you know, once Wild came out, which, you know, involved the Pacific Crest Trail and Walk in the Woods and the AT, uh, boy, the sales really went up, or people um, streaming that. Or buying it went up. So oh, so is all of it now? Is all of it on Amazon? All of I don't. Here's the thing: squatching, I squatching. I don't have uh, available for download or streaming because my original Final Cut Pro file is gone. It was on a, a laptop I had. Oh wow! And I think I have the original tape, so there's no way I can edit all that. It's just not even. And then when I tried to do a rip off of a DVD, I haven't been really happy with the MP4 quality. If anybody out there knows anything, I'm getting some kind of weird uh, lineage, you know, like moraying effect uh-huh. uh, in the video. I'm not really pleased with. I may end up anyway doing it because that's the only form it can be downloaded. But yeah, live and learn. But the all the other ones you can stream, like if you have like an Amazon Prime membership or yeah, Amazon. I don't know. I don't think you can do that with Amazon Prime because I'm an individual, you know, small potatoes guy. But it's pretty reasonable. Yeah, I don't even. I can't even set the price. I mean, like for two bucks or a dollar ninety nine, you can like stream it for a week. The thing is, when you do that, you can't set the price, and they get fifty percent of the revenue. But still, even with that. It's a help, man. Every little bit. A little better than I thought it was. And again, I make just enough to continue to live with my 84-year-old parents as a result. So, Dude, you're uh, living the dream, man. Well. I mean, even though yeah, you are 73, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like where you are. 57 and single. So, ladies. Uh, hey, now. Really the only thing missing from my life. Uh, uh, yeah, someone to do my adventures. God, it just turned into Match.com right now. No. Um, no, I yeah. feel you. Dude, you're, I mean, you know, you're a jet setter. You uh, get yeah. to uh, you get to meet all kinds of good-looking um, hiker trash ladies. And I say that Boy. in the nicest way. That, and you, you did, and you, yes, and those who know that term, yes. There are so many great women uh, hikers. Yeah. I just, yeah, that's. Yeah, I only say hiker trash because that's what hikers say about themselves. Yeah. I don't. Well, I don't. I, you knew that. So are you a hiker yourself, man? Because that that's kind of an inside. Thing. I've, I've done a little. I've done a little. I'm a gypsy at heart. I follow the band Fish around quite a bit. So okay. I've I've run with uh, all types. I'll just say that the the yeah. diversity of my of the people that I've stumbled across in this journey is wide. Yeah. So, cool, but man. yeah, no, I mean, I like the, uh, the independent hiking lady is a, uh, oh. nothing one like it. One of my it. favorites, good friend of mine. I'm actually going to hike with her a bit on the Bigfoot Trail, Hippie Longstockings. What a great name. <laughs> she's awesome. She's just exactly described her. She's like 44 in great shape, great sense of humor. Smokes a little too much pot. Mm-hmm. I, I tell mm-hmm. her all the time to worry about her health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go to edibles, for God's sake. Uh, but she's such a sweetheart. I mean, she's. I'm just so looking forward. I'll see her in about a month, and we'll hike together for about a week. And uh, she's going to bring some kind of edible. I'm going to get lost several times during the day. Hell yeah. She'll find me. Hell, I don't know, maybe. Hell yeah, I know. She's your, she's your spirit. She's your spirit she's animal spirit that guy. week. <laughs> Yeah, and that's... this rogue Sasquatch crushes both of our skulls with a oak stump. What a way to go, though! 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least you would get the answer to the question. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> Holy. Holy God. Oh, hey, one last. Oh, I keep saying one last. No, it's okay. Real quick. Someone I know, another fine hiker lady, tree hugger, of course, is her name. She hiked, it was the last year or the year before, and in this section that I'm going to be doing with my three other friends, Coyote, Gazelle, and Huff and Puff, we, the second day they were in this section, and she's pretty soberly minded person. So if she says, tells me something, I'm going to listen to it. Because like, I asked her after she had done this trail, which she really liked, and anything weird happened. And she said, yeah, didn't you read my journal? And I said, no. And she says, well, the second day, in the middle of the day, they're walking on uh, a dirt road, an old logging road. About 100 miles of this route is either uh, is logging road or a relatively unused uh, paved road, right? The rest is all trail, trail. So in the middle of the day, her and her then-boyfriend, Dirt, that was his name. Nice. Probably still is. They're walking along, and they both kind of noticed like a shadow going over their head, like it was a bird flying. But then they quickly realized it was not a bird. It was a friggin' rock had been thrown from one side of the road over. And he said it was, the, it was approximately the size of a bowling ball. And they could see it roll. They could hit, and they saw it roll. And they looked at each other. Did you just, yes, that just, yes. And they just kept walking. Whoa. Now, wow. with your at least cursory interest in Bigfoot, you know the, the possible significance of that. I mean, these things are believed by some, like other higher primates, to toss stones at people, or not so much at people, but in their general vicinity to hopefully scare them away. Gorillas have been known to do that. Chimpanzees have been known to do that. Probably orangutans, I would think. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That's pretty incredible. Where was that again? This is up in the Yolaboli Wilderness. Yolaboli, Yolaboli is the Yolaboli Middle Eel Wilderness. And then we're going to be hiking right through the heart of that starting Holy next week for five straight days. Holy crap. That's pretty uh, remote. It's yeah. like a long-ass way to get there. But it's supposed to be really, really cool. And so that's between the coast and five. Exactly. So it's in that zone. And again, this is the very beginning of the Bigfoot Trail. So basically, the big what's cool about this trail, it basically heads north. It kind of meanders north and goes through six different wilderness areas, right? The Trinity Alps wilderness, which is awesome, Marble Mountain wilderness. Then it gets up to the Oregon border, hugs the border for a while, and then zigzags all the way to the ocean. Okay. And so the, the Klamath National Forest is right there at the border. Yeah. And you've got, and the thing that happened to me 24 years ago, part of this trail comes within about 15, 20 miles of it. So it's in that that general vicinity. It's a great area. It's re- it's really very remote. Yeah. It's got tons of steeply sloped, densely vegetated hills. I always say that a lot because I think that's the key to this mystery. That's since there are literally hundreds, and if not maybe even close to a thousand of these types of hills up in these regions, it, it becomes a lot more plausible that something that is reported would be a sasquatl could really easily hide up in those areas without having to worry about puny little limbed beings like ourselves.
I've actually driven from Texas to Washington State two different times. I had all of this time laid out for Northern California, and we got stuck in Arizona for a few days and had mm-hmm. to kind of book it to Frisco. And then I think we drove up to, we saw fish at a shoreline there and mm-hmm. then drove up after the show to Weed, California and crashed and then drove oh, up yeah, through weed. the five. So I didn't get to spend near as much time, like taking my time up there, but. You drive the Bigfoot Highway up there, Highway 96. It's off you at Wairika, Y-R-E-K-A, head west. And that'll take you right down, following down to Willow Creek. That's a famous little Bigfoot town. They got the Bigfoot golf course and the Bigfoot burger. And See, that's just insane. That like, I was, at, I was in Wairika getting gas. Like, at the gas station there, there's a little, like, uh, there's a little, like, statue of a gold miner. He's got right. a little pan in his hand. Yeah. And yep. I have a great picture of that. And then, but at that point, we're like, we had to book it to the gorge. That's where we were going. Right. To, uh, so we went up into Portland and then hooked it to the right. Yep. Yep. But that's such a, uh, such a killer area, man. And oh, it is great. And it, it, there's just a lot of area up there. Yeah. It, it, I think when you go in and you hike into it, just in this last hike I did, times you forget, and then you see again, it goes back to this densely vegetated steep steep slopes and you go oh my god there's so much of it if you had a small population of mountain gorilla type creatures they could really easily hide up in there I mean, yeah like super easily so all right man i will uh, i will let you go again man it was great to meet you finally yeah nice talking to you man it was it was fun a lot of got it went quick but how long have we been talking for what geez louise we're like three hours yeah we're Good yeah god. we're almost pushing bigfoot show territory Wow, yeah, uh, like the Springsteen concert podcast. <laughs> That's a sign of a good conversation, man. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, no, it's been good, man. I'll, I'll toss you some ideas on some things if, uh, you know, I'd like to uh, figure out when we could do it again and sure. like to hear what your uh, how it goes with you, and uh, hopefully we can get you some more monies donated to the pen- PayPal. Sure. That's always good. This was great. Thank you so much for asking me to do this, and yeah, Keep in touch. I'll let you know if anybody actually uh, gives any post Kickstarter money, so you can take credit for that too. Right on. Deserve it. <laughs> right on, brother. Uh, I'll talk right, to you dude. soon. Have a good one. Okay. Take care, guys. Thanks, Scott. Bye. That's our show. Good night, everybody. Oh. <laughs> uh. The way I walk is just the way I walk. The way I talk is just the way I talk. The way I smile is just the way I smile. Touch me, baby, and I'll go hog wild. The way I love is just the way I love. Come on and be my little turtle dove. Touch me, baby, feel so good. I feel as though I wanna, then I don't know if I should. Come
my style Oh, little baby, I will say goodbye Love me, baby, love me right Love me morning, noon and night Hey, 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 hey. 